Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show that is dedicated to all of you out there in the talent development world to help you get better at your job, to learn the latest trends and tools that can help you do the job that you love so much and help you develop your people better in the organizations that you work for, as well as share the latest trends and best practices, things that are going on. We have oftentimes practitioners who are in it doing the work that you're doing, as well as experts and authors who have great expertise to share. And I have one of them on with me today. Jen Long is a certified master coach and the CEO of Management Possible, a leadership development company providing coaching for leaders and managers across various disciplines. For nearly four decades, she has worked with leaders of every stripe from newly minted managers to the seasoned vets of the C-suite. Jen is big on personal accountability and she pushes the leaders she works with to, to be great and to be accountable to their actions. And as a certified master coach and master trainer, Jen has helped countless leaders master essential skills, earn the respect of their employees, and perform at a higher level. The methodology behind Management Possible elevates the idea that conversation and relationships are the prime movers of impact and culture. Jen is also the author of the new book, Own Up, How to Hold People Accountable Without All the Drama, and on the side, Jen hosts the Organizational Transformation Kung Fu podcast with Sandy Vecaria. And I'm happy to say that I've been a guest on the Organizational Transformation Kung Fu podcast in the past. I had a lot of fun. I had a blast with those two ladies on there. Uh, so go check that out when you're done with this one. But for now, stay tuned for my interview with Jen Long, all about her new book, Own Up, How to Hold People Accountable Without All the Drama. All right, I'm joined now by Jen Long, author of the new book, Own Up, How to Hold People Accountable Without All the Drama. We're going to talk about all things accountability, communication in the talent development space, the leadership space. And Jen, I'm just excited to have you on. Welcome. 
Hi, Andy. It's good to be here. I'm excited to talk about all of those things. Yeah, we've had some great conversations in the past, which we were originally connected by our mutual friend, Josh Lefevre, who I think we've both done some work with and uh, have had some great chats with. And we've had some good conversations. You've had me on your podcast with... Sandy, correct. Yeah, with with Sandy, right? The Kung Fu Organizational (laughs) Transformation Kung Fu podcast, which was a lot of fun and excited to bring that energy here. So Jen, maybe we can just start with a little bit of your background. You know, how did you get into coaching, which I know you've been doing for quite a while now? Yeah, well, kind of happened into it in the sense I was working at a company called The Source International doing research and development for training programs and whatnot. And I have a background in theater and communications and had been directing theater for in my spare time, Hmm. (laughs) in my off hours. And when we were doing some design work, we uh, had the idea that, you know, it's all great to get this information, but how do you walk the talk, right? What, what is that going to take for you to really pick up the skills and create mastery over what we're trying to teach you to do? And my theater background kicks in, in terms of improv and being able to actually sit in the moment and do that kind of stuff. So it really kind of started and sprung from a need to do role play work as part of the learning and development. And so it sort of became its own structure as we would add that element and then did it as follow-up. And so developed a coaching model just by nature of wanting people to be able to embody skills, doing real work. And that started in the late eighties and we've just been building on it ever since. Still doing it today, which is really cool. As you have been building your coaching practice and working with lots of different leaders over the year. I'm curious, how has that theater and improv background helped and and have you built that in as part of the work that you've done? 100%, 100%. It's a, you know, when people ask uh, when you're getting your theater degree, what are you going to do? And you're always like, well, I'm going to wait tables because that's what what theater people (laughs) do. And getting into training and development was just, it was a, a, a natural fit because communication skills and the dialogue and that you work with actors and all that kind of stuff is it's, it's a very, very complimentary skill set and to be able to stand in a conversation and improv your way through to improve communication skills is just mono y mono. Yeah. And so that and, and being an instructor and standing in front of people and all that kind of stuff. So all the skills, all the theater skills. Oh, yeah. Me. I mean, I've been facilitating workshops myself for more than 10 years and it is one part of it is you need to know the material and the things that you want to get across. But if you're truly facilitating and starting conversations, you also need to be able to react to the things that are coming your way, which is a whole other skill. Yes. And. And. <laughs> yes. And. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And. Those, those familiar with improv. So you mentioned communication skills, and I know that's a part of your new book, as is accountability, which is a big part of that as well. How did that come into this framework and why is that so important? Well, accountability is itself, it's, it's a communications skill practice, right? A lot of people think accountability is, is a thing that you got, it's this solution. We got to get, we got to get people to be more accountable Mm -hmm. and accountability is a a fundamentally, it's a practice and it's a, a set of communication skills that you use in moments where you're trying to get clarity around who owns what and what happened, right? And so 
that's that's how they they kind of work together and and it's you know this the standard sweat uh suite of skills and in the sense of feedback is always a big one right that we use when we we hold people accountable it usually starts there but when you do accountability you're doing communication skills relative to ownership for whatever the issue is ownership for whatever the solution is Mm -hmm. and ownership for the development once you've built the solution how are you going to be better going forward yeah. So you came up with this new book. And what was the impetus to the book? You've been doing this work for quite some time now, right? Why did you write this book and, and why now? Well, because accountability has such a bad rap, right? Culturally, it's it's the it's the hammer. It's the hammer we want when things go bad. And when you doing this for as many years as I've been doing it, I was like, we gotta stop thinking about accountability as this hammer. It's just not accountability is not conflict, it's clarity. And it's not all that hard if you understand how it works. And I think we were, I I think people find it's a tough conversation. It's a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You know, and so wanting to take the fear and the pain and the struggle out of it to get people to understand, look, you're not, you're not doing consequences, which is where all the difficulty comes in. Right. When people don't want to take accountability, don't want to own, then then you got to go to consequences. But that's generally, if you're if you're good at getting clarity, yeah. most people want to do a good job. So yeah. consequences don't come in very often. Right. And you're you're helping people. I mean, I think of accountability. Accountability has served me really well mm-hmm. over the last few years as I've been, you know trying to achieve bigger and bigger things, building a business, all this sort of stuff. When I've had a coach or a mentor or someone in a mastermind group or a friend who was holding me accountable to things that I said I was going to do, that gave me more incentive to go do it, right? I talk about that in my book as well and, and speeches when I go out that if you want to increase your chances of achieving a goal, number one, write it down. And then number two, tell somebody and see if they'll hold you accountable, right? If you are going to train for a marathon or you want to get in better shape and you're like, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week. I always think of like the, the personal trainer as like, yeah, it's nice if they know how to help you like do things that you didn't know how to do. But like, I think the biggest benefit of the personal trainer at the gym is like, if you make an appointment, then you have to show up and go. Right. And that's accountability. Right. Yeah. It's a, you know, you say it out loud and, and it's a choice, it's a commitment. Right. And to have the conversation out loud is a great thing. Because I think what people forget, and it's 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 not new information. It's in so much material. Owner ownership is where all your power sits as a person, right? And so to 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 choose to own, to say yes, to yes, I I said I would do that. Yes, I got that wrong, or what? That is the best way to feel good about yourself and how you show up. Mm. I like what you said there. Ownership is where all the power sits as a person. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, yeah. When things are going difficult, like when mistakes are made, when deadlines are missed, when stuff goes south, the best and easiest way to regain your footing is to own, own what you did or didn't do, because that is the only way forward. And when you don't take ownership, right? When it's someone else's fault or when, you know, the, the victim mentality of, I had no control, I was overwhelmed. That's when accountability feels bad, right? That's when we feel like diminished and unsafe and all of those things. Whereas when you just stand in it and you, you take the ownership, 
you don't feel less. You feel more in control. You feel more whole. You feel like, okay, yes, I'm going to learn from this, right? There's just, it's additive as opposed to diminishing Mm. in terms of the experience. Yeah. I always think that, you know, a lot of people like to be victims and complain about stuff. It kind of feels good in the moment because you, you get it off your chest. It's like, well, it's not my fault. Somebody else did this, but then I think long-term you have this feeling that you're not in control of your career and your life and, and where you want to go. Whereas when you own the situation, you feel like, okay, I own this. I'm taking responsibility for my part, whatever I can control. I'm going to focus on what I can control. And I find at least for me, I'm a lot happier and more fulfilled when I feel like I'm in control of a situation versus when I'm just focused on all the things that I can't control. Exactly. And, and people who go to victim are people who are abdicating abdicating their power and abdicating the fact that they have any control over their decision-making. And that's where the biggest misunderstanding is for people is, is the one thing we always have a hundred percent control over is the decisions and the choices that we make every day mm-hmm. and how we choose to participate. Right. And if we're not happy with what's going on, what's a different choice? And we always have one. Absolutely. You talk in the book about accountability being foundational to any relationship as well. Can you talk about what that means? Well, it is. I mean, when you engage with people, your boss, your peers, your team, whatever that might be, your family, part of part of the relationship is how are you showing up? And relationships work if it's a win-win, right? So what am I bringing? What do you bring in? Every time we get together, I get 25 bucks and you get 25 bucks. It's all good. It's when every time we get together, I get 25 and you get five. Mm-hmm. That's when we got a problem. Yeah. And so it's the unspoken understanding about what we bring to the table when we work together, that we all pitch in, we all do our part. We all meet whatever the, the expectation of the role is. And Sometimes that's explicitly stated as it should be in a work environment. Sometimes it's not explicitly stated, but it's always there, that there's always an understanding. And that's what you're accountable for. That's what you need to own if you're going to have a relationship. And so when people struggle on the relationship front, sometimes I do a lot of work with people who work on virtual teams and in virtual environments, right? We got a lot of hybrid activity going on. And when somebody's trying to give you feedback in the email or they do these instant messaging things. I'm like, that's, you're trading information. That's not a conversation. Mm. And your conversations are your relationships. So how, how much are you in contact in an actual conversation? Because so much of what we communicate is nonverbal and you, you can't be effective in text and no emojis don't count. Right. They're helpful, I find, but, I, helpful. but I still... Quite often people misinterpret, right? What's being said in a text message because they don't have all the context. I sent somebody a text the other day, a friend to pay him a compliment. And he was like, yeah, ha ha, you're making fun of me. And I'm like, no, no, really. I'm being honest. Like I'm trying to make, I'm trying to pay you a compliment, but he wasn't sure, right? Because of the text and maybe the nature of our relationship. I, I don't know what it is. So there's definitely something lost there. Even an email that you don't get from that, that real conversation What did you see? You've done work for a long time with many leaders and organizations. What do you see as like the biggest pieces missing or mistakes being made that, you know, led to you wanting to put more of this content out there? There's just a general uneasiness about the difficulties we have 
on delivery, right? So managing performance in general, one of the biggest issues is how do I manage someone's performance and how do I deal more effectively with people who are underperforming in whatever way that is? And so that this is really an effort to how do I, how do I think about it? How do I get the right mindset? Because I, there's the, the, the growth mindset, fixed mindset thinking out there. And a lot of managers coming to that realization that if you're not, a, it's easier. Accountability is always easier. If you're a growth mindset person, mm-hmm. if you're a fixed mindset person, when you feel that people are lazy or that you need to be there for them to get it right, or that, you know, they're going to take the path of these resistance it's more difficult for you to create that relationship first kind of experience. And so trying to help bring that more to the forefront that your relationships really, when you have those intact, your results can do so much more, Mm. right? If you're focused on just getting stuff done, then you're not really, you're leaving stuff on the table. Yeah, there's opportunity for a lot more conversation and productivity. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat, known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. And you mentioned accountability is always easier when you're in a growth mindset. When you say that, I'm interested for you to expand upon that. I think of, you know, operating with a growth mindset and I made a big switch years ago from fixed growth mindset and and wrote about this in my book as well, because I think it's so important. I think, I feel like when you operate with a growth mindset, then you are more open to feedback, right? Because this is, these are opportunities for you to grow and improve. Whereas the accountability, someone coming and saying, Hey, did you do this or not? And you realize you didn't, you might see it as like a condemnation on yourself, right? Like, oh, I'm not good at this versus like, oh, I'm getting feedback and this is how I can improve. And with a growth mindset, you can take that and pivot and, and look for ways to get better. Exactly. Exactly. And the growth mindset sometimes is, is when you're holding somebody accountable and you put that on the table and what you find is, is you never made the expectation explicit mm. and they go, oh, no, uh, yeah, no, I didn't understand. I thought you meant that, you know, because part mm-hmm. of the reticence for people to hold people accountable is, is God, did I say that? I'm, I'm, did I ever actually set the expectation? And sometimes you find when you figure out what your issue really is, is that, Oh God, I never said that out loud. I just assumed Mm -hmm. because they should know because they've been here for so long that this is part of what they should be doing. And so the learning curve is you got to be willing to learn out loud and say, Oh, you're right. I didn't set that expectation. So let's just, let's reset it. Yeah. Let's talk about things from a, from a talent development perspective, you know, for those listening who are working in talent development, learning and development, looking for ways to enable people in their organization to improve their performance, to help managers with things like accountability and communication. A couple of things that you talk about in the book that I think are really relevant for those in talent development are 
communication skills and managing performance, performance management, which you touched on earlier. So maybe how, how can talent development professionals use this information to help them do their jobs better? Well, this is sort of the, the crux of the whole performance management experience. So the book itself kind of looks at the conversation, right? I take the accountability conversation and I really kind of break it down into what, what that moment is really all about. But the, the whole idea of managing performance really starts with the ability to set good expectations, mm. to create clarity for the people that you're managing. I mean, as a manager, you're there to do two things fundamentally is you're there to let people know what it is they need to be doing, right? So setting the expectation and then letting them know how, how they're doing, right? Yeah, so that's the them. feedback. What, what is their delivery and how is that going? And are they meeting the expectations? And those are really the two fundamental things, which are both conversations, which are both, I think people, when you ask them, how well do you delegate? How well do you set expectations? A lot of people think, oh, I do that really, really well. And maybe you do in terms of deadlines and, and details, but some of the nuanced stuff around, so when we talk about managing performance in the performance review, I'll say, when you set an expectation, can you tell me the difference between what excellent looks like and what, you know, the bare standard is, right? So if you're rating somebody at their performance review and you're going to give them, if your scale is one to five, five being great, if you're going to give them, what's the difference between a three and a four? and a four and a five relative to the expectation setting. And that's a little bit of a light bulb moment because people are like, oh, I don't think about it at that, at the beginning, I always think about it afterward. And I'm like, think about it when you set an expectation, when you want quality, what kind of quality are you looking for? Because that's subjective. And that's based on how, who you are, not necessarily a process or a certain work product. Right, yeah. And I've talked about this in the past and, and thought about this a lot as well, that, you know, the, the root of all disappointment and frustration often is missed expectations, right? People don't understand what was expected of them and managers did not clearly communicate what they expected, right? And, and I found out years ago, which saved me a lot of anguish that for my wife and I, like almost the, like the root of almost every argument we had was somebody expected something, you know, of the other person and didn't really form, didn't really communicate it very well. Right. And they're like, right. Oh, I thought you were going to do this. thought you were going to go to the store on your way home and you didn't. And it's like, well, you didn't tell me that that's what you wanted me to do. Well, you should just know. Right. But when you, right. <laughs> but when you, you push that aside and you just tell people like, Hey, I want you to do this, then, then they actually know what you want them to do. Exactly. I mean, that it, it's, it's, it's prevalent everywhere. The, the unstated expectation and understanding that really all of your frustration with people generally is about unmet expectations that you've, that you've probably not verbalized. Yeah. What else from the book do you think is important, especially for the world's talent development or performance management that people need to understand? That the whole experience goes all the way from understanding and identifying the correct kind of issues, right? So when you're managing others is I think a lot of times when the unmet expectation experience happens, we don't really dive deep down, deep enough into what's the issue. So when I'm coaching people and when we're working programmatically in the, in the class, a lot of time is spent on identifying what the unmet expectation is. Cause they'll say things like time management, or they'll say things like sort of higher level issues when really it's like, is it, is it time management or is it because they don't have a working relationship with somebody else in the department? 
and they choose not to, to meet with them, right? Where we could say, hey, you don't you don't manage your time well, or is it really something different? And so identifying what it is, I think, is part of what makes really good exceptional managers, right? So if you're trying to get a good talent development program going, managers don't take the time to diagnose what's going on for them when things aren't going well at the right level. There's a lot of assumption going on. Like I had your job. I know exactly what you're doing, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And at the other end of that, to follow through all the way through the development end, if I'm going to give you the feedback, am I going to help you master a new skill? Or am I going to help you modify behavior? Am I going to, what am I going to help you come through as a result? Some issues are pretty cut and dry and that's not necessarily a coaching opportunity, but a lot of times it's, are you willing to then support the development shift of what they're tr- struggling with so that teach them to fish for, for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Get to the root of an issue, right? Ask yeah. questions. It's something yeah. we talk a lot about on this podcast in the community I run in talent development is to take a consultative approach, right? To be curious, ask questions, get to know what the real problem is when a leader comes to you and says, we need this type of training and like, well, why do you want that? And what's really going on and see if there's maybe something else that you could or should be doing beyond just reacting. And to your point, a lot of managers maybe assume that they understand what the person working for them needs to be doing or what motivates them or what they could Mm -hmm. be doing wrong. And they just jump in with the feedback and say, do this or this without really taking the opportunity to truly understand the situation and the person, right? And what's really going on there. Right. Right. And when you've got people who are managers who feel like they've got a lot of stuff to do and the people thing is difficult, I'm always trying to balance with them. The amount of time you spend with your people is is more important. Are you delegating enough that you've got time to work with your people? Your job is the people, right? Your job is not the results. And that's the whole point of managing to begin with is you're running the people. It's your job to develop the people and create the capability within the people. So, you know, doing your email and whatever other tasks you have and taking that priority, you're not performing. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of managers and leaders out there, they're struggling to give time to this. And part of it is because they just have so much to do, right? They've, They've got their own job in addition to being a manager. But a big part of it, I think from my own experience is a lot of managers just take everything on and think I need to be doing, doing, doing when your job is really to be coaching, leading, communicating, overseeing, and really enabling the people on your team to get the job done so that you don't need to do the job, right? Exactly. Exactly. If you're really managing well, you manage yourself right out of your role because you've got such a capable team that your ability to create span over a different team or to take on different projects is, is becomes the the path. But if you're constantly doing, 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 those are managers who love the solving of the problem, who like identifying with the firefighter, whatever it might be. And so there's a little bit of, are you developing yourself as a manager? And are you holding yourself accountable for the level of people interaction that management role really needs? What, what can we do with this? How do we help our managers become better leaders, become better communicators and really using communication and accountability to get more out of their people? Uh, that is, that is the question, isn't it? It's, yeah. I think what people realize is that 
one of the things that always shows up in feedback and surveys and engagement surveys and all this is we need more communication and communication is kind of this big catch all Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so when you start to think that your conversations are your relationships, what I'm really hearing is I need better relationship, right? Mm -hmm. People don't quit there. We're not quitting our jobs necessarily. Well, right now we are because we're just not making any money. (laughs) We're jumping jumping to another role to get paid better. But you know, it's usually because the team environment isn't well, we're not being appreciated, we're not being seen, right, which is all that connectivity. And and I think that if we start to understand that we're wired to connect, right, we are this communication thing is really important, because it says, I see you, I know you, I understand you. And that is paramount to any kind of team structure, trust building, the ability for people to want to do more, show up with growth mindset, all that stuff is first and foremost. And so tapping that, that level of communication excellence, right. And really supporting managers on what it means to have open, transparent, psychologically safe, targeted conversations is really good because it deepens relationships, increases trust that's where your engagement starts to kick in because yep. you start to care yep. about the people you work for. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot of leaders are, are struggling with this and they, they need our help, right? So as, as we wrap this up and you think about the, all the, the work that you've done that has gone into this, and you mentioned in the book that you walk people through how to have that accountability conversation, right? What mm-hmm. else do you want people to know that, you know, something they can do right now to, start improving, whether it's leadership, communication, accountability, that sort of thing. Right. Have, have the conversation. Don't be afraid. I think part of the reticence is the emotional risk. It is to, to really have a conversation with someone and the connection that you're negating by not doing it right. The, the things you're put off by not having the conversation. So, you know, I would say, Go go to own-up.com, check out the book, download some of the material that's there and experiment, experiment with talking to people more frequently and more often about uh, what you see, what you're experiencing. So make sure that works. All right. The book is called Own Up, How to Hold People Accountable Without All the Drama. And you can find out more information and get the book by going to own-up.com. You can also reach out to Jen and connect with her on LinkedIn and I'm sure other places as well. Jen, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. I feel like this book is going to be pretty successful because a lot of people need this. I hope so too. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it, Andy. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. That will do it for my interview with Jen Long, who is the author of the new book, Own Up, How to Hold People Accountable Without All the Drama. I got to tell you, I am so big on accountability. I've seen the power of it. It's helped me so much. I love helping other people with accountability. You know, it, it might be like the top thing that you can do to really enhance your chances of achieving your goals. I talked about this in my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and, and, and talk about it in my keynotes as well, that if you want to achieve big things, first and foremost, you know, the foundation is self-awareness and then really getting a clear vision of where you want to go and then start to set specific goals that you want to achieve. And then when you have those goals, if you want to enhance your chances of achieving those goals, the top thing, or the first thing you can do is write them down. I mentioned this in the podcast conversation. And the next thing you can do 
to really help you is tell somebody about it. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your boss, hey, this is a goal I have. I want to get this certification. I want to lose 20 pounds by going to the gym more often. I want to run a marathon. I want to work on uh, an extra project that will you know, develop certain skills. I want to get a promotion. I want to learn more about the company strategy and finances. Whatever your goal is, that you write that down and you tell somebody about it and really take that to the next level, you can ask for accountability. You can ask one of your colleagues or friends to hold you accountable. Perhaps you can be accountability buddies because you're both working on something similar and you can check in with each other on a regular basis. If that's not enough, you could hire a coach. As I mentioned in the podcast, you know, a big reason to hire a personal trainer at the gym is, yeah, they can teach you how to do some things that maybe you wouldn't know how to do otherwise, but they can also hold you accountable and say, hey, we made an appointment. You said you're going to be here Wednesday at 7 a.m. Like, where are you, right? Like, oh, I've got to go to the gym now because my accountability buddy, my trainer, is waiting for me. And I know a lot of people that do marathon training, they swear by having an accountability buddy, right? Because even if you know your friend Sandy is planning on running with you on Wednesday at 7 a.m. and you don't show up, she's going to be really disappointed, right? <laughs> like you've got to be there. And so it makes you go out and do it as well. I've in the past been big on getting up early in the morning to do things in the early morning routine. I've had accountability partners and friends who, or we just text each other every morning when we get up to, to show that, hey, we got up before six or we got up before five, whatever it may be. I'm still in a chat group with accountability buddies that we started, I think, four years ago and it's still going, right? So um, accountability is huge. Make sure you take advantage of that. And the other thing we talked about that I think is really important as a takeaway is setting clear expectations and making sure that people understand what you expect of them so that you're not disappointed and they can do their job better. And, you know, if you're not sure what people expect of you, then being willing to ask questions and say, hey, you know, I'm not sure exactly what you're expecting here. What do you want to get out of this? Right. So I do a lot of work with different organizations. I've been doing a lot of speaking recently based on my book to help people own their careers. And if when clients hire me to speak in their company, one of the first questions I ask is, what's your objective? What do you want people to get out of this? Because I don't want to come in and talk about one thing when they're completely expecting something else, right? Now, you know this, but it's always great to have a refresher, a reminder. I also want to remind you of a couple other things since we're talking that this podcast is sponsored, number one, by the Talent Development Think Tank, which is the membership community that I run. I started it two years ago in June of 2020. We are two years in and we are still going strong with over 100 great members. And speaking of accountability and connection, our members connect with each other. They help each other. They hold each other accountable. There was a small group. I didn't even know about this until it was already over. A small group of members in our community who were interested in getting better at measurement. And they were all reading the book Measurement Demystified. Maybe you've heard of it. And they actually had accountability calls where they check in with each other and kind of like a little book club. Uh, what have you read? What have you learned from it? And they read the book together to make sure that they were doing it. And I love that. I love that a lot. And uh, I think we're seeing more of that in the communities that I'm part of. And I'm proud to be the, the leader of this community where people are connecting with each other and really helping each other with their jobs. So if you don't have something like that, you want to be a part of this community, come check us out. The website is tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank, tdtt.us. And our podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm that is dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. You can find out more information about the solutions that they offer by going to advantageperformance.com. 
All right, that will do it for this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. Stay tuned. Our next episode will be our bonus Q&A episode with Jen Long, where I ask her about why is she running her own business versus working in a big company? What are her proudest moments and her biggest mistakes? And what challenges and trends are she, she following in talent development, as well as a book recommendation as well? Stay tuned. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.